Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Pretty, but it is a win, and it is a seat at the table. I'm Kevin Bowen, back another edition of Kevin's Corner. Chris Presley across the way. Uh, that one will show up as a highlight on a special teams reel, and that's probably about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some Jonathan Taylor highlights early on, uh, but still a bit of a survive and advance feel to yesterday's result. 23-17, the Colts beat the Jags. First time they've been at 500 this season and you know when I say see the table Chris you had to get to 500 I mean just flat out at some point you had to get there and now if I'm not mistaken I would think it's one of the toughest schedules remaining the rest of the season and that's that's where you're at and you got an Mm -hmm. unbelievable opportunity albeit a difficult one but an unbelievable opportunity to prove yourself down the stretch yeah you have to win those games and it was almost a tale of two halves as we've seen multiple times it feels like over the last couple of years but I'll be honest with you, here in Indianapolis, as you know, there was some snow on the ground in the morning. It was gray. It was really ugly out. I dozed off there the last like minute <laughs> minute and a half of the of the uh, second quarter and through halftime because it felt like the way that the Colts versus Jaguars used to be. And then in the second half, we saw a different story. Yeah, you definitely didn't miss much. Uh, I wish I could have taken a nap as well. But, um, you know, like you beat the Jets, you beat the Jags. The Colts are not in a position to lose those games. You know, we've seen Tennessee lose a game, you know, to the mm-hmm. Jets this year. Um, obviously, Buffalo lost to the Jags, but the Colts just don't have enough goodwill, if you will, built up uh, to win to to afford to drop these games. You know, we've kind of written off already at Houston and at Jacksonville to end the year. Um, we probably like shouldn't just because again, the Colts cannot afford to lose those games. Um, and, you know, really, it was an ugly game, Chris. This is something we'll get into a little bit later with Carson Wentz. The Colts' level of ugly is higher than most teams. And by that, I mean this. I would say yesterday was one of Carson Wentz's worst games of the season, and he, he didn't turn the ball over. Like, he's created a very high floor for where he's at. Now, there are other issues that we'll get into, and we can talk more about Wentz later. But, again... The ugly has not been five turnovers and you get a block punt against you and they return it for a touchdown, you like things like that. So, again, the ceiling obviously needs to be tapped into here coming up. But at the same time, uh, the Colts have created kind of a high enough floor to where they've avoided, you know, these kind of catastrophic disaster-like losses. Um, Obviously, the block punt. Mm-hmm. You know, speaks for itself. Um, tremendous there. We'll get into that a little bit more later. I, I like Frank Reich's decisions to kick it. You know, it's, you can look at it two ways. It's a slap in the face of Jacksonville, but it's a deserved slap in the face. They don't score. So just kick the field goals. Um, first time all season they haven't attempted a fourth down in a game. And, and, again, I'm totally fine with that. But, you know, eventually Jacksonville showed hell. First play of the game, they have a false start. Mm-hmm. Why haven't you won a road game in two years? You know? Yeah. That's why. So, um, yeah, obviously lack of a killer instinct. I, I, you know, all of that we can we can hit on. But um, five and five, and now the fun 
really, really begins. Yeah, and, and jumping into things that you like, like we mentioned at the, at the top of the, the podcast, the start. Colts got out to, and that's why I said I was like, hey, I can take a nap. We're up 17 nothing. you know? <laughs> Keep the steam on. Let's go. <laughs> um, it was nice to see the energy back in that building early on, and like I said, us looking like the typical Colts versus Jacksonville. Yeah, I thought it was just an unbelievable start and very reminiscent, honestly, of what you saw last Thursday of just the offensive line paving the way early for Jonathan Taylor to get yeah. going. You know, James Lofton said on the telecast, you know, it could be flag football right now for mm-hmm. Taylor. It had that feel to it. Obviously a great start. Um, the Franklin, EJ Speed, pump block. I mean, this has been kind of a staple for the Colts under Bubba Ventrone. They've been an excellent, excellent special teams unit, particularly as a punt return, punt block unit. Um, Franklin, not only, you know, did he get free, but just what a beautiful, like, layout for the block. You know, yeah. how many times you see guys just kind of screw that up? And, and albeit it's a difficult thing to do, and, you know, for a lot of guys, they're like, oh, my God, here's my chance to make a play, and then, oh, shit, you know, you overrun it or you mm-hmm. throw the kicker, something like that. And Speed then showed off kind of his offensive background. He, he wasn't going to be denied there. Yeah. Returning that punt for a touchdown. Um, so just a beautiful, beautiful start, and, like, it was kind of just like to have no mercy on Jacksonville. Um, defensively, I thought you did a really nice job of scheming up pressure. I thought it was something that was pretty constant all game long. I don't think we've seen it. Definitely not to the magnitude that we saw yesterday as well. But, I mean, when you got up 17 nothing, I know I, I've got a little pushback for the Urban Meyer Tiki Bob tweet that I had. but <laughs> I didn't see that one. What was it? Oh, uh, I Well, when I was 17 nothing, I, I, I literally said um, – you know, Urban, I guess I was like, you know, Urban can be at Tiki Vibes by halftime. <laughs> I mean, it had that feel, yeah, you know? It's just like Taylor's going to run for 300 and, like, you know, all of that. I mean, it, it just it kind of had all of that. Uh, and obviously we'll get into things that we didn't like here in just a second. But still, to me, when you're playing those sorts of teams, I'd rather start great than finish great. I know that might sound stupid, but, like, the starting great against a team that can't score, hasn't won on the road in two years, you give them no sense of hope early on in that game. Like, no short field, no easy points, don't let Lawrence get into a rhythm. And, yeah, I mean, they had the ball and they were on your side of the field and had a chance to score at the end. But even then, I still was like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, this offense actually getting in the end zone in, in, in such a critical moment. Yeah, and something else that you like that I think a lot of – most or I, all Colts fans probably liked is starting to see a little bit of more of an emergence of Quiddy Pay and the defensive pressure up front wasn't spectacular, but we're starting to see them kind of come into their own just a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I thought it was the best pressure of the season. Now, again, the bar is pretty low for that to be there, but Chris, what I liked in particular was it was very well disguised and then executed and just in general schemed up. Um, you know, on Pay's plays, I bet all of his QB hits, he was a free rusher. I guess his sack, maybe, maybe not. But, like, you were able to create right number situation for yourself. Uh, now, how much of that is a rookie quarterback? Sure. But, like, you're going to see other rookie QBs this year. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you did that, I think, was really promising because uh, you weren't just relying on, you know, whatever, Buckner having, you know, a couple sacks from the interior or something like that. Uh, obviously... The final play of the game, or the or the strip sack that iced it, 
it really is probably everything that Matt Eberflus wants this defense to be, and I would argue kind of like should be. Like, I don't think, you know, when we saw them rush four or less, we saw Lawrence hit on some plays. Mm-hmm. They brought Kenny Moore on the blitz there. <clears throat> so here's Pay opposite Kenny Moore getting an upfield rush. <clears throat> Obviously, Kenny Moore gets his speed around the edge. That sends Buckner up, or excuse me, that sends Lawrence up in the pocket, and he had escaped a few times via that those gaps at different parts of the game. But then, boom, there's Buckner on one side, Dio on the other, and that is kind of how everything is supposed to look, mm-hmm. you know, with this pass rush. Obviously, Ture, right spot, right time to jump on it and and seal that victory. But, yeah, I, um, again, 10 QB hits, three sacks. Yeah, I, I'm guessing the blitz rate had to be pretty high. That's just kind of my my naked eye with it. Um, and, and at the same time, I thought when there were some plays in the secondary to be made, they made them. And we haven't really seen the individual playmaking as much as I would like for them to be there. Kenny Moore had a big breakup on a third down. Rocky Seen had a couple nice plays out on mm-hmm. the island for sure. And uh, Isaiah Rogers, I think, had one as well. So um, certainly the step up in competition is immense over the next couple of weeks from a passing offense standpoint, but I, I just thought you never let Lawrence get settled, and that was monumental. The only way I thought Jacksonville had a chance is if he got settled and had some confidence, and I, I, I didn't sense that at all. I could not believe that Kenny dropped that interception. I know. That was <laughs> so, he was I, looking at his hands like, are you kidding me? Of I all the interceptions, he, like, thought he was out of bounds, like worried about kind of getting his feet down or what, but yeah, that was – talk about rare. <clears throat> I thought for certain he had that. And another thing that I did like just quickly here, everyone likes the motor. There's there's guys on different teams in the NFL, whether you like that NFL team or not, you like certain players and you wish they were on your team. The fact that we have Quentin Nelson, who's always the guy that helps up the running back 40 yards down the field, even though it didn't end up being a fumble, I like the fact that Quiddy Pay was the guy there on the sideline trying to recover that fumble. Like he He keeps going after plays. Yeah, I mean, his effort will never be questioned and shouldn't be questioned at all. And now these last two weeks, you've seen the production. And, like, I'm not expecting five-sack Quiddy Pay to end the year, but I think it's something of, like, all right, do other teams now take notice? And do they change up anything up front of, like, man, that pay kid's kind of coming on, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden that allows Ture to have, you know, a favorable matchup on the other side or um, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Quiddy's effort. Hoping to have him on the uh, morning show this week here on our on our fan station. But, yeah, I mean, it's been through the roof. All right, well, those are things Kevin liked. Let's jump to things that he did not like. One of the first ones we want to hit on is the offense being in a rut. I mean, they're in the second half. You'll know w- w- more of the stats than I do. What, we punted nine straight times, eight straight times, something like that? Yeah, nature. you had nine drives, and you punted on seven of them. Okay. Um, I think it's the worst offensive rut of the season. Uh, now – Especially considering how healthy you were, you know, mm-hmm. like that that group, you know, yard, you know, you can make the argument that's your starting eleven right there. Obviously, some guys are banged up, but um, I thought as good as your O line looked last Thursday, as good as it looked in the first quarter, um, I thought Jacksonville owned the line of scrimmage, and I thought Carson and the O line struggled to identify pressure pre snap and take advantage of that pressure. Um, a very poor yards per attempt number for Wentz. I think it was just over five. Um, again, that's really, really low. Mm-hmm. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. Again, if you want to label it kind of worse, one of the worst games he's had all season, again, it's still a really high floor, which is nice. But um, I, I just thought your passing offense didn't get enough 
out of it. Um, and I guess that's kind of a question you have a little bit bigger picture of like, all right, if and when a team takes away Taylor for a couple quarters, yeah, you know, does your passing offense have enough potency? Um, is this team that is very reliant on their offensive line? Yes, I think we know that. Um, but I just thought, you know, like in no way, shape, or form, Chris, am I sitting here saying the Colts abandoned the run? They did not. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had 90-some yards in the first quarter. He carried it 11 times the rest of the game. I think he carried it 21 for the game. I mean, that's a big number. And I think in the final three quarters, he had 11 carries for 23 yards. Yeah. You know, you just couldn't really get it done running it. Um, and that's, and a, like, I mean, that's credit to Jacksonville, too, because a lot of people said that, and, and I went back and looked at the numbers, and you're right. It, it did look, it almost felt like we went away from the run because we weren't being productive any longer. But give Jacksonville credit up front. I mean, there was a while there in the second half where I'm like, why can't we move these guys? Jack was everywhere. Allen was everywhere. Yeah. And again, Jacksonville, I think, has got a good front. I also don't want to sit here and act like they're the 85 Bears. You know, they, they were really good against Buffalo last week. They still entered Sunday, I think, 26 in points allowed per game. Um, and particularly passing offense, uh, excuse me, passing defense, I think they were second to last in the NFL. So I think those are the two areas I come back to of, like, 16 points against a team that was averaging, giving up 26 per game, mm-hmm. and your offense is intact. That was where the disappointment creeps into me there. Obviously, Eric Fisher struggles. Continue. Um, now, Josh Allen's a great player. Great player. And, like, you know, does Chandler Jones do this later in the year? Um, you know, Shaq Barrett, uh, you know, Matthew Judon for the Patriots. You know, we'll, we'll see exactly how things. But, you know, I guess at least you're not seeing Miles Garrett or T.J. Watt down the stretch. <laughs> Thank God. But, um, so, yeah, you know, I thought um, Wentz, the, the, there's just this balance, Chris. Like, he has probably avoided, hell, I'd say 15 sacks this year. Like, you put Rivers in the same positions, and he's probably going down. Yeah. Um, the balance for me, and, and the third and seventh throw and catch to Pittman, you know, mouth-watering. Yep. I mean, just beautiful. And that's obviously him extending plays. Now, to me, when he starts to get wrapped up, that ball security needs to be of the utmost importance, and I think he's got to go down. That is what worries me on the whole, like, shovel, left-handed Left stuff, hand, like, yeah. all of that. Like, once they start to get a hold of you and maintain a hold of you, I know it's not his nature, but that, to me, is the give up. Because it's weird with Wentz, you know. So much of this was kind of, oh, he's turnover-prone, turnover-prone when he came to Indy. He led the NFL in interceptions last year, as we know, even though he missed the final four games. Mm-hmm. It really has been kind of fumbles that have hurt him throughout his career. After watching for 10 games, I think to myself, wow, I can see where the fumbles come from. You know, he does, he tries to keep everything alive. And obviously the interceptions um, have not been there this season. So um, that is something that I think just to keep an eye on. kind of goes back to the San Francisco game. If you had some turnover-worthy plays, they showed up against a better team. Yesterday I thought a few turnover-worthy passes. Obviously, you know, he escaped some sacks, period, but also – Got away with a couple there. Yeah. Um, you know what? Again, once they have you wrapped up, man, it's kind of like stop being a hero. You know, it's um, one of our media colleagues came over to me and Chap, who's sitting next to each other during the game, was like, he does some dumb shit talking about wins, but he also makes some throws that you're just like, 
wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the dumb shit can lead to a play like Wentz, or excuse me, a play like Pittman. There, ice the game, not ice the game, but you know, get I the mean, field we goal pretty and, much, yeah, and, and all that. So, um, I know it's delicate. I know it's much easier said than done to find it, but you do just worry. When will those plays start to go the other way? Mm-hmm. And you know, all of a sudden, you do have a multiple turnover game, a couple of games in a row, because you're just not in a position right now to do that. Granted, when they take away your run game, like Jacksonville did yesterday for a long stretch, you you need him to try and make some of those plays because your offense wasn't moving it. So it's a really fine balance. Um, I love the extension with legs. When they start to get arms on you and have you wrapped up, that's when I think you got to stop being a hero. Yeah, valid point. Uh, so offensive rut, first thing you didn't like, goes hand-in-hand hand with the second thing. Uh, on today's list, and that's just finishing the ball game. We talked about earlier. You do like the fact that they start. You'd rather start hot than end hot. I think, but we still I need to finish for for Jacksonville. I like that they started hot versus okay finish. If I'm going to pick one, just for Jacksonville, other opponents, I, I I'd, I'd probably have to think about it a little bit more. Um, but clearly, finishing is an issue for this team, and I know they ultimately finish, but it never should have gotten to, you know, literally Jacksonville's on your side of the field. Yeah. With with the ball and a, and a chance to win the game, um, I don't think anything like sums up your team lacks a killer instinct when they start booing on a third and ten pass screen to Zach Pascal. Like, yeah. I mean, that just kind of summed it up. I tweeted out at that point. I'm like, I've seen Navy's offense be more aggressive on third and ten. That drive was atrocious. And I don't. I mean, was it a Wentz check? I I don't know. But like, I mean, what what was going on there? So, um. It's an issue. You played a fire against Miami. You got burnt the very next week against Baltimore. You know, you played a fire against the Jets. You held on. You played a fire against the Jaguars, and you held on. I'm not acting like it's going to be the smoothest sailing in 60 minutes, but not putting away Jacksonville when they gave you chances. I mean, how many chances Jacksonville gave you? I mean, your, your, your defense did a nice job in some not great field position situations, holding up and kind of bowing up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think this is something that, will be kind of looming. I mean, when you look at the schedule down the stretch, I think I mentioned it earlier, one of the toughest in the NFL, squandering opportunities to finish will or can and will potentially cost you a playoff spot. So that's why I bring this up of just it's one thing to do it against Lawrence, but that's the worst third down offense in the NFL. Their wide receivers are terrible. Yeah. Like that's just what you got to keep in mind moving forward. Kevin, do you know, is it part of his cadence? I feel like Carson says check, check, or it sounds like he's audibling more often than not. Um, Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't know his cadence. Um, like, I don't know if it's just, that's just how he, right, he's right, comfortable right. Like, saying that. Is he killing a play or right. is he dummy calling a play? You know, like, what's he doing there? I got the vibe there that it could have been a check. I hope it's a check. If Frank Reich's really calling a screen to pass on third and ten, we got bigger issues. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, it is. It's kind of delicate for us to probably try and put our hats on and be like, "Oh yeah, that was a run check," or "That wasn't a run." You know, yeah, you don't really know. But that one just had a little bit of a vibe to me watching players react to it. You know, post snap that they'd maybe check there. You can kind of get your the body language feel. Yeah. yeah. All right, Kevin. Let's jump to Twitter questions. First one comes from Rick, and he wants to stick here with Carson Wentz. Do you think Wentz, with his unorthodox ways of extending plays, or our defense will sabotage us the 
sabotage us first in making the playoffs. We graciously made it to 500, but we have Buffalo, Tampa, New England, and Arizona up next. So we're going to need to see some flawless execution from both. What say you? Yeah, Rick. I mean, I would say pass defense is probably the bigger concern of the two. Um, I'll go back to what I said earlier about Wentz and the fumbles and the INTs. Like, the INTs outside of last year has never been that big of an issue. It's been more of the fumbles and the ball security. You know, does that stuff, you know, that that stuff can be kind of flukish. You know, kind of just like, a, you know, Lawrence is going down on that one play and Dio, you know, hits the ball and mm-hmm. boom, it's out. Whereas Wentz had some plays yesterday where he held on to it, you know, and, and kept the ball there. Um, and like, Jacksonville does have a good run defense, so definitely want to acknowledge that. But when a team does take away the run for multiple quarters, how does this offense move it? Um, I'm not going to freak out about one game, but like T.Y. Hilton to me looked like he was walking up the 18th hole yesterday. Now, again, it's one game. Um, We'll see how things unfold. But the support in the pass game I think is lacking a little bit for Michael Pittman. And so when they do take away Taylor, do the Colts have enough to, you know, take advantage of seemingly favorable situations elsewhere? Yeah, and I'll be honest, I'm surprised T.Y.'s playing. Yeah. After I, the way his head went back and knowing the neck injury, to come back that quick, I mean, good for him, and I'm glad the Colts staff was able to get him out there, and hopefully he can continue to progress over the season. But, man, that's just not an easy injury to come back. Yeah, and I asked him last week, you know, the situation, the injuries, is it, you know, thought about – have you thought about your future at all? And I know that it's probably, I don't know, not the fairest question to ask midseason. You're probably not going to get a great answer out of him. But he said no for for what it's worth because, you know, I mean, he did talk to Andrew Luck about, you know, continuing mm-hmm. to play after the neck injury. I didn't know if the concussion, you know, would have added to that. Question from Brian Kevin. Was the Jaguars win the signature win of the season, or is this team heading to the playoffs? I don't know if you can call signature, um, <laughs> you know, with 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 these wins so far. I would, I, 49ers maybe. I mean, right? I, yeah, I brought it up today on our show. The reality right now is this: the quarterbacks you've beat this year, Jacoby Brissett, Davis Mills, Jimmy Garoppolo. I guess we'll say Josh Johnson. Mm-hmm. And Trevor Lawrence. And if the teams weren't so far down the schedule, I was hoping to get to Colt McCoy, but they'll have Ky- <laughs> they'll have Kyler back by then. So, um, like, are any of those guys top twenty quarterbacks? No. So, and again, this is just the reality of where you're at right now. It's the elephant in the room heading into Sunday. You haven't beat a playoff team in eight tries, and you haven't beaten a average quarterback up to this point of the season as well. So. Um. Yeah, signature wins. Uh, you know, for the Colts' sake, hopefully they have a, several here down the stretch. Props to you, Kevin. I just uh, saw on Twitter. I didn't realize that the Hard Knocks guys were in studio today. They were. Yeah, we had some uh, Hard Knocks filming in studio. They were in there for hell, probably about two hours. So, uh, I think obviously looking for fan reaction. Yeah. And just you know, we all have watched Hard Knocks and behind the scenes stuff. You know, there's a nice little audio bit. You know, kind of overtone to it all and i'm sure they can rip you know my audio and make it sound great or be like oh he's a hater blah 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 so that was fun they were uh they were great people and yeah the first episode 
Wednesday at 10 p.m. It sounded like the stuff that we were being used for is more for maybe next week. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily this week. Um, but I think there's features on Buckner and Taylor coming up. Um, you know, Frank Wright going back to Buffalo, that that mm-hmm. sort of angle as well. Um, what else? That's pretty cool. So they just come in and let you do your thing. They're not saying like, hey, can you talk about Frank going back to Buffalo? Can you? No, they were, they were like, okay, this is kind of, you know, our topics, do they mesh with what you guys are thinking about, blah, blah, blah. And okay. I'm like, I mean, for the most part, yeah. Um, and we didn't want to, like, tell callers that it was happening. You don't want people to kind of, like, you know, whatever, yeah. just you know, try to say stuff just to get on TV or something like that. You want to be pretty organic with it all. Um, but, no, it, it was cool. And, um, again, I, I'm a fan of the Hard Knocks thing. I think I don't take for granted what having a credential means to me. Like, that is great access you know, you've obviously been behind the scenes at a variety of events. You know full well what that means. And just like little stuff like that, you know, you're pulling the curtain back on maybe anything a fan has ever seen about mm-hmm. what happens in a team meeting, what happens in kind of a medical meeting. Like, you know, what are these? It seems like on Tuesdays they're always going to players like homes, apartments, doing some featurey stuff. Like, right. I think all that stuff is cool. I don't, you know, I, I know Jack Doyle and seeing his wife put up Instagrams of their son, their oldest son, Ronan, he is like, he will announce all the Colts players coming out of the tunnel. He's like a five-year-old kid, something like that. And it's unbelievable. I mean, it's like, you know, and I, I'm thinking back when Autry was here. He was like, from Mississippi State, Nico Autry. It's just like, yeah, that's that, cool. like they're going to feature that sort of stuff. Just like, it's not going to be this like cutthroat nature. Sure, there's, there's going to be some of it, but I just think in general, the behind-the-scenes stuff is really, really cool. And mm-hmm. Um, I know I eat it up when it's, you know, the U.S. soccer team has done really cool ones at all their road games this year as they're doing the World Cup, trying to qualify for the for the World Cup. And I've enjoyed watching those just because, again, I think I know something. I don't know that much about U.S. soccer, though. Yeah. Just like seeing how they operate and the World Cup fascinates me in these road venues, I think is so cool and just a bit eerie at times. So um, we will have Steve Trout, the lead director of Hard Knocks. He's going to be on our morning show this Wednesday, and then we'll have him on every Thursday to recap um, shows um, throughout the end of the season whenever they they stop. So uh, that'll That's be nice awesome. to kind of pick his brain a little bit on what went into the editing floor and all that. Yeah, I saw that, so I wanted to bring it up. So as Kevin said, tune in to 1075thefan.com if you're not local or listen to the radio show if you are local because those will be great interviews to have. And like he said, a peek behind the curtain and seeing our – you know, guys that we see every Sunday, actually, you realize, oh, they're kind of like me. <laughs> All right, question from Craig Kevin. Good start to the game, but a precarious finish, as we mentioned. Curious your thoughts on Dio Odangbo thus far. Obviously, the big play at the end of the game, but he feels like he's been a little quieter through the other three as he's coming off of injury. What do you think of him so far? Yeah, I mean, about what I would expect. I don't, I don't know if anyone had grand expectations for him. I mean, you need to see how a player looks coming off an Achilles injury, look over at Eric Fisher. I mean, mm-hmm. it's look at Marlon Mack. I mean, it's it's difficult. So, um, you know, he's going to get one-on-one chances down the stretch, and we'll see if he can kind of take him in and play himself, you know, into that shape. But it seems like they've moved him around a little bit. I don't think he played a ton of snaps on Sunday, like 10 to 15. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, right now with the Taekwondo Lewis injury, you kind of need him. Yeah, I agree. All right, we're going to have a new segment called International Colts Twitter Questions, Kevin. Oh, boy. I love it. 
First one's coming from Ireland. Our friend Darg, as we mentioned on the uh, previous podcast, he flew over yeah. for the game yesterday. Nice little tip of the cap to us Hoosiers. He wants to know what makes us so hospitable. He feels like this is the most hospitable state that he has been in in his four trips over here to our beautiful country. And he said he's gone from one corner to another. Why are we the way that we are? Man, that is a great question, Darg. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I actually exchanged a few Twitter messages with him. Um, quick trip. He said he actually stopped in New York, played Bethpage uh, State Park Black Course. Which nice. Is, um, something on the bucket list for me. Um, but, yeah, and then was here quickly. Boy, I don't know, Chris. You got any – we played Jack and Diane at the end of the third quarter. That seems to get the <laughs> crowd going. I, uh, I honestly – I love hearing this, you know, and, and I do think in the little bit of travel I've done across the U.S., um, I do feel like we are, you know, a hospitable, yeah, the Midwest uh, nature to it all. I, I, I enjoy giving people the Naptown nod when I'm walking down the street, you mm -hmm. know, just a little yep. nod and just a simple little thing to do. Um, but, yeah. I, I hope you enjoyed it, and I don't know, man. What, what what are we drinking that makes us a little bit nicer than maybe some other parts of the country? I don't know. I, I, I'd have to uh, shoot him a text to see if uh, the Guinness over here is <laughs> <laughs> much worse than the Guinness over there. I had a couple of Guinness a few weeks ago <clears throat> watching that. Notre Dame Navy seemed like a good Guinness game, yep. so I, I decided to throw a couple back there. Yeah, and I saw Rosie was ready to cheer cheer on the Irish. She was ready. She's ready. I told her Saturday night, biggest game of the season. My wife's like, you say that every week. Like, they're all big. You know, they're all big at this point. Hell, I think we still got a chance of the playoffs. Call me crazy. That's right. Okay, so from Ireland to Finland, we're going to go to a question from Henrik. He I don't was, know if we've ever had a Finland question. Finnish question, if that's such a word. Question about Carson Wentz, and we talked about it kind of a little bit earlier, but a little different spin on it. Carson has always played better than expected, he feels like, and he's happy considering the alternatives that we had before the season. Some issues, but the biggest one is being that he feels like he holds onto the ball a little bit too long and sometimes makes some crazy plays, as we mentioned, that left-hand pass. Is there a possibility that he can stop doing this, or is this just a habit that's just too deeply rooted in his football DNA. Yeah, I think it's probably that latter. And, you know, it's something that Frank Reich signed up for. Um, it just like, I think it's maybe the hardest thing to coach with a quarterback of just where is that balance of wanting him to play to his strengths, mm -hmm. which is the big arm and extending some plays and flashing that arm talent versus obviously when you do extend plays, inevitably there's more risk involved with that stuff. So, yeah, I, I I think this is just life. This is life with Carson Wentz. I think I tweeted it out, um, you know, at some point earlier in the season, like Carson Wentz is a damn entertaining quarterback to watch. I mean, it's not always the prettiest, and it's not always a great entertainment, but you don't know what you're going to get from play to play there. Man, I must say, he gets some mustard on those left-handed tosses. He can really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, him and Mahomes in a left-handed battle, that'd be quite the thing to see. It's like a. You know, when he does kind of a little shovel pass, he looks like a great middle infielder. You know, kind of shoveling it, yep. you know, over to a shortstop or second baseman to try and turn the double play there. So, um, yeah, thank you for the question. What, what, what was the name on that? Henrik. Henrik. Appreciate it. Henrik Stenson from Sweden, not Finland, but a legend up there in the, uh, what do they call that, the Norwegian area, maybe? Norway's up there. I don't know. I don't want to jump in on this one. And Yeah, I, I, I'm already regretting it. <laughs> I think Norway, Finland, Sweden are all together on, on kind of the northern part of 
I guess, continental Europe, if you even call it continental Europe. I don't even think it is. Well, Darg thinks uh, Hoosiers are, are hospitable. When I think of that region of the of the uh, the world, I feel like those people are all pretty nice as well. Yeah, I, I've only been to Europe once, been to London for a few days, and mm-hmm. was treated tremendously well. Kevin, question from Michael. The players on defense are making the plays, but the scheme that Matt Eberflus calls is awful. Well, awful might be strong, but that game was won by a player making the play, not necessarily his soft version of Tampa 2. What are your thoughts there? Well, I think when you're talking specifically that play, Michael, I'd argue that Matt Eberflus did something on that play. You know, brought Kenny Moore on a blitz. I mean, that's not just saying, hey, here's our front four, and, you know, we're going to get home with that. It was, you know, here comes Moore off the edge. Kenny, obviously, is on the opposite side. Or, excuse me, Quiddy is on the opposite side. That creates pressure, and then, boom, steps up in the pocket, and Dio Dangbo and DeForest Buckner do that. Look, I, I've got issues with the scheme. Like, I, I totally get it, and I, I do think um, it's a big hindrance in keeping this defense and football team in general from where it could go. Um, but I think specifically with that play, I actually thought they dialed it up nicely. And Early on, there was like a third and ten, Chris, where they ran. They disguised it the snap. They ended up only rushing two. And Trevor Lawrence converts on third and ten. It's like, come on. Yeah. Rookie quarterback, you just you gotta dial it up a little bit more there. You know, how I kind of look at things is this. You create an advantage via four ways. Offensively via players, offensively via scheme, defensively via players, defensively via scheme. Kind of your four general, and I know it's, you know, a little bit too like whatever, big picture, but that's how I look at it. I think the Colts have an advantage on most afternoons, schematically offensively, with players offensively. Um, defensively, you know, I like to think with, with players. But the scheme, no. Like I am, I think, in, more often than not, they're at a disadvantage. That's what is frustrating to me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Stick on the defensive side of things with a question from Randall. Um, he's got a couple questions mixed in here. He wants to know, basically, our pass rush – Tied for 13th overall, 19 total sacks. Now, this question we think probably came before yesterday's game. Um, people are lamenting about the fact that we don't have Danico Autry anymore, but he does love the hustle of Pay. Hopes to see more out of Dio Dangbo and Kamoko Ture as they show flashes, as we saw a little bit yesterday. With that said, do you think letting Danico Autry go was a mistake, or will, I, will our young guys finally, and in all caps, finally, get decent snaps and pay off in the long run? Do you think basically playing veterans over young premium draft picks was a mistake in the Chris Ballard camp? Or do you think we should be patient? Randall's on the side that we should be patient. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, that last part is what what it comes down to, Chris. What do you want? You know, do you want the Dayo Dangbo offseason move or do you want the Eric Fisher offseason move? Mm-hmm. Eric Fisher more of a win now, a Dangbo more of a not win now and, and have some patience there. So, the is kind of pick a lane now, and you know probably revealing my speeding ticket I got a couple weeks ago. Um, you know I, I tend to pick multiple lanes, um, and I do think you have to do that when you're roster building. Um, when you rotate so much on the defensive line, Chris, I think you had an opportunity to keep Denico Autry. You you wanted to keep him, you know. Yeah. You just didn't want to keep him at the number that Tennessee. Gave him so that goes back more for me of Chris Bowers' philosophy of like if you sweeten that pot a little bit more, he's back here, 
and now a Taekwon Lewis, an off-injured player. Autry has been very healthy throughout his career. Um, Lewis has not been very healthy. Uh, that, I think, adds to kind of the frustration there as well. So I think you mix and match, Randall. You know, I'm not acting like the Colts are an all-in. Rams push all the chips to the middle of the table sort of situation. But um, I also feel like you can still, you know, bring a veteran back help groom those young guys, still rotate in bodies on the defensive line so people are getting snaps. Another one here about the defensive line. This one comes from Yoel. says, I know the offense was the main problem yesterday, but pro football focus have the Colts' defense worst in the league and EPA per play when blitzing. In my opinion, it was evident yesterday. Why, in your opinion, are the Colts so pathetic when blitzing? Oh, I actually thought they got home decently well yesterday when blitzing. I, I would agree they have struggled this season when blitzing. Um, boy, and that's a multitude of factors. It's you know poor disguise, poor execution. I think when you blitz and you stunt and you spacing is really key. You know you don't want to get everybody clogged up kind of in one area. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say I, I'd say yesterday was the was the best I've seen the pressure and smart against a rookie quarterback who, you know, I think there's some questions about what he saw in college and how that translates to the NFL and clearly teams have taken advantage. I mean, you probably make the argument Lawrence has looked, I would say, as poor as any of the rookie QBs mm-hmm. starting. I guess Zach Wilson might be a little different, but um but yeah, I, I thought it was very smart and and it has been an issue, but I don't think it was an issue yesterday. Okay. Next question comes from and this is the last one we have on Twitter questions this week from the Prince. Ooh. Let's pretend the design of the Colts That's zone important. defense yeah, he does sound important, is why they get an interception or two per game. Is that the same design that gives up a minimum of 70% completion ratio a good exchange, or should Matt Eberflus be fired? Boy, that's an interesting way to look at it, you know. Um, are the Colts really averaging a, well, I guess yesterday, they, what, it was just a strip. They didn't have any interceptions yesterday. Correct. Um, you know, I, I still... I, I don't think it's a good exchange. Um, just because to me, when I look at the 70%, you look at the teams around the NFL right now who are giving up completion percentages at that rate, and they are, virtually all of them are at the bottom of the NFL. Um, I don't know if it's a stat we immediately point to as like, that correlates to wins and losses. But right now in 2021 in the NFL, it has. And for the Colts, it's more often than not correlated to losses. So, um Again, to me, I get the zone design. I get what Eberflus wants. He wants eyes on the quarterback. More often than not, I do think that's a smart thing to do. Um, sure, I want some man and some press definitely mixed in there, but I, I totally understand that. But, yeah, I mean, one to two picks versus 70%. Yeah, I, I just don't think one to two picks is sustainable for 17 games, and I think, unfortunately, 70% has been sustainable through 17 games. That's probably the bigger issue. Well, Kevin, next week you got the battle of one and two in terms of turnover differential with the Bills and the Colts. That's a good point. I know the Bills have been tremendous defensively. Granted, you look at the quarterback safe face, you could probably put Carson Wentz near the top, honestly, of the QBs that they have faced. Got one question for you. Uh, a, a friend of the podcast and local reporter Charlie Clifford put out here a little bit earlier. Oh, nice. And this is just to kind of mix up um, a question that we've not really had to talk about, which is a good thing. Yeah. Have we found our new kicker? Ooh. Right now, 82 votes are in, and Bag- 
I always say Badgley. Badgley yeah. has 75.6% of the vote to stay in the seat. I would go with Badgley. <clears throat> now, I want people to kind of hear it out, though. If you look at Hot Rod before the injury, I believe he had only missed one field goal all year and had a missed extra point. Damn good. Mm-hmm. You look at Hot Rod throughout his career, better kicker, more efficient, more accurate. Now, the length issue, I think, is always kind of the question there. Badgley has hit from longer, but he's also been super inaccurate from over 50 yards. So it's not like Ben, you know, mm-hmm. what kick from over 50 is a guarantee, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I like, and this is me putting on my kicker cap, which is dangerous. I like how the ball comes off Badgley's foot. I do too. There just seems to be a nice skill there. But man, if you're a hot rod, whoo! Yeah, it looks like Hot Rod's agents trying to make some of the rounds right now and, and trying to save his. Yeah, I think he can feel it. You know, mm-hmm. that's one of those if you, they would have, you know, panned to the sidelines or wherever Hot Rod was in Lucas Oil Stadium after some of those kicks yesterday. It was like the Zach Wilson clap, yeah. like we saw the yeah, couple weeks nice. ago. Nice, <laughs> good job, Michael. Cameras on you, cameras on you, cameras. you know, one of those. So, um, it's interesting though, man. I mean, parody is uh, defines this league, and mm-hmm. look at yesterday, special teams, fourth down. Colts won it. Jacksonville didn't. That was the difference in the game. They missed an extra point. They missed a field goal. Yep. You know, your mindset's different driving there late for a field goal maybe to send that game at overtime where at that point it looked like Jacksonville was the better team. So they, you know, probably would have been like, hey, we can just get this OT. You know, we can definitely win this game. So um, I would go with Badgley, but it's not, I think, as drastic as people would initially think it is. Okay. Yeah. You got to look at Badgley's past history. Yeah. Granted, he's been here before. All right, well, those are all the Twitter questions and personal questions for me. Anything you, know, you got to add? I'm just going to end with this, Chris. Um, what an awesome time to be cheering for your team. Like, this is it. You know, here we are, 5-5, five and five, got a seat at the table. You're facing, I would say, five playoff-like teams in the last seven weeks. Mm-hmm. The, the order is, again, at Buffalo, home to Tampa, at Houston, then the bye week. You got New England maybe on that Saturday or Sunday at Lucas Oil. That's to be announced, I think, this week. Uh, then you go to Arizona on Christmas night. You come back to Lucas Oil for the home finale against the Raiders, and you end in Jacksonville. Like, right now, have the Colts underachieved? Yeah, sure, a little bit. But they've got a chance. And I just think it's such a fun time to be a fan. You know, I've gotten into some arguments with Jimmy Cook, the resident Dan Dockich producer here locally about, oh, I don't want Notre Dame to be in the playoff. They'll just get blown out. And that's just such a sorry-ass way to look at it. And I hope Jimmy's listening to the end of this podcast. You play okay? to win the game. Thank you, Herman. Like, <laughs> I just think it's so soft. And if you're a Colts fan right now, the season is not gone. I think according to plan like you would. But it's not that far off. And the beauty of the NFL is you've got, you know, you control it to a degree. It's difficult, but eight straight playoff losses. Haven't beat a top 20 quarterback all year long. You can silence that. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to string some together, but you've got that ability to do that. And I just think it's kind of edge of your seat watching here as we end November and end of December and then two games in January as well. So, uh, what a great time. You know, Frank Reich's Why Not Us? I. <laughs> I, I'm not ready to go there, Frank. I get why you said it. Uh, I'm sure if you're Tennessee, you're probably thinking to yourself, wait, Jim Mercer, you tweeted that a few weeks ago, and then Frank says that. Like, hello, we're 8-2 and two at 1-6 yeah. straight. But um, I get what he's saying. Tennessee obviously is dealing with the injury, and um, the AFC is kind of wide open. But 
to throw the dart, you got to have the dart in your hand. And the Colts still don't have that yet. But what a beautiful opportunity coming up. Yeah. To try and, and get there, man. And thanks to a lot of teams yesterday around the AFC for stumbling. <laughs> right? We got well, a lot of, of help It was kind of the flip of the week before, you know? Yeah. The week before, you had all those AFC teams um, beat NFC teams. Yesterday, you kind of had the flip of it. Mm-hmm. So, got to love it, man. The NFL, nothing like it. That's right. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Um, we will be back next Monday, I guess. Yeah. We'll continue to stick with Mondays here. Again, three more games until the bye week, all on Sunday afternoon uh, before we get into December and then two in January. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.